Hello and welcome to the first ever I Win the Saints podcast. Right, where do we start? I think it would be only polite for us to introduce ourselves first. I'm Patrick Serlis, Saints fan, born and bred from West Sussex. Travelled to lots of Saints games, but now I'm living in the USA, so I get to watch every minute of Southampton from the comfort of my own sofa. And I'm Jack, Patrick's younger brother, currently living in London. And when I'm not playing football on Saturdays, you'll catch me on the terraces at St Mary's or at most London away games. Well, the plan for this podcast was to launch after the Norwich game, and then we'd be podding after each Saints game before the end of the season. Then, unfortunately, coronavirus got in the way of that. But we've decided to get the ball rolling anyway, and we'll strive to make this a weekly thing. When the season returns, whenever that may be, it'll be normal Saints chat each week. Plus, we're going to try and interview someone from the world of Southampton. This week, it's Steve Derrida. Steve. Steve. He's an absolute gent and a pleasure to speak to. And next week, we'll be speaking to a teammate of his from that championship promotion season, uh, the brilliantly funny Jos Hoyveld. That's basically the podcast plan. We chat Saints, then we'll talk to a player, coach, fan, someone from Southampton, um, hopefully. So... If you've got any ideas for, for people that we should speak to, please reach out to us on Twitter. Um, I know, Jack, you had a, you, you've got ambitions to speak to, to Papawego and to Gooley. Um, anyone else that kind of sticks out to you that we need to get on the pod? Yeah, so those two that you mentioned, definitely the top of my list. Also, Tadnari Lee, I think, is definitely up there. I'd love to have a chat with him. Yeah, I'd say those three, Papawego, Gooley and Tadnari are at the moment, top targets. But yeah, let us know. Yeah, top, I mean, we've got a list of top targets and hopefully um, some of them will start coming in um, over the next few weeks. But for now, it's, it's Steve Derrida this week. So stay tuned for that. About 20 minutes in, we'll be chatting to Steve. And then next week, it's Jos. Before we chat to Steve, I just wanted to kind of tick off a few bits on our agenda. Um, first and foremost, coronavirus. Um, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room, exactly. Um, what are you doing to keep yourself busy considering it's absolutely zero sport on zero football? I mean, it's bleak, Patrick. In the UK, it is very bleak at the moment. I think I'm, I'm just doing any, what, what any football fan is doing at the moment. Lots of Premier League years and lots of, lots of highlights, really, of, of Southampton. Um, the JPT run, I've watched that from the first one. round to the final. Um, I've watched the Carabao Cup run from a few years back, including that win at Anfield. Um, I've watched a lot of 2011-12, the Ridder season, actually, championship highlights. Mm-hmm. Personal favourite of mine was that um, 3-2 at the Den, Ricky Lambert hat-trick. So I watched that quite a few times. But massive, massive, yeah. Huge result. But no, I mean, just trying to, trying to do anything to keep my mind off the... Uh, of the reality, really. Yeah, it's not great, is it? I mean, it's pretty similar here. I'm in Florida and it's we're, we're basically under lockdown as well and that all restaurants and bars are closed. So it's a case of staying in the flat with a laptop, firing up Football Manager, got a season on the go with Dulwich Hamlet. Um, How are you getting on? Uh, we're in the playoffs, Conference South, in the playoffs, about 30 games in. Um, so that's um, that's what you can do really it's very very boring and I've seen lots of people say on Twitter that that first that first weekend after quarantine is going to be absolutely nuts it's, it's going, going to be, be chaos it's going to be like VE day in World War 2 everyone's just going to be out on the streets <laughs> it's going to be what I imagined it would have been if we won the World Cup yeah after that after that Croatia game Yep. If, we, if we beat them, that's, that's what I can imagine it's going to be like for that first Premier League weekend watching Bournemouth versus Watford. And if yep. they kick off, everyone's going to be out. It's exactly. We've beaten back the virus. Everyone's going to be <laughs> on the streets. It's so what do, what do you, how do you predict the, um, the season to pan out then? Do you think we'll get, we'll get the rest of the 2019-2020 season or are well, we going to see it void? Well, things change so quickly. I mean, I know the, at the moment the, the plan is to revisit it on April 30th. Um, but the way things are going, I, I really can't see us playing any football between now and, and, and the end of May, really. Um, you've got to look at other, other European countries in Spain and Italy and the situation that they're in at the moment is, is significantly worse than 
what's going on in the UK. And if the experts are right and say that the UK is a couple of weeks behind those other European countries, then, then that's going to be what the UK is facing in a couple of weeks. So that's a couple of weeks down the line. Um, that, to me, doesn't fill me with confidence that when we get to early April, that the chances of starting the season in a, in, in a month later in early May seem very remote to me. Um, obviously, they've pushed back the Euros, which gives a couple of extra months to finish the season in. But I really don't think that it's realistic to think about playing football until June at the earliest. And, and if even that's um, a bit optimistic, then if it starts getting to July and, and, there's, and there's no football, whether it's behind closed doors or not, then I think you've got to seriously consider voiding the season. Um, I think it's unfair for you to promote Leeds and West Brom from the, from the championship. And I've seen some people say have a 22-team Premier League next season. Well, Leeds and West Brom are six, six and seven points clear in the championship and there's still eight or nine games left this season. It's rough on them, but there's no guarantee that they're going up. Um, at the same time, if they went up and you didn't give Liverpool the Premier League title, despite them being 25 points clear, I just think it gets very messy when you try mm. and promote mm. teams from the Championship without relegating teams from the Premier League and not recognising a, a winner. It's, to find a solution that's going to work for everybody is going to be incredibly difficult. And I know everybody talks about legal challenges, but the cleanest solution um, at that point, if we get to early July and there's no football, is to avoid the season and, and try and start again as early as possible um, for the 2020-2021 season. But... Um, yeah, those are just yeah. my thoughts. I think we've got a couple of months. I think Premier, the Premier League and the FA will publicly say for as long as possible that they're committed to finishing the season. But I think it's going to get to a point where we're in June and July and we haven't started yet and, and avoiding it looks the, the cleanest solution. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think um, we haven't even reached a lockdown yet in the UK. So... Obviously, that's going to be at least for the next two or three weeks, just full country shutdown. And I think to, to consider starting the season again towards the end of April, early May, it will almost be like a pre-season for players. And I think I had a conversation with you before about, you know, they're going to carry on this season into the summer. It will start affecting both this season and next season. And although it will be, you know, heavy if you are a Liverpool fan, if you're a Leeds fan, and you think, wow, are we cursed? But... For the rest of the teams, it's just the fairest solution is just to just to say, you know, the pandemic. There's bigger things than football. We can't carry on playing. I mean, imagine if they do restart the season in May and, you know, there is a breakout in a certain club. How do we, where do we go from there? If a few players contract the virus in May, you know, I just think until the whole situation gets sorted out um, across the continent and across the world, I don't think you can start considering, you know, restarting the season. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw, it seems from here, like everything changed, um, well, the atmosphere changed here last Wednesday um, when the NBA cancelled its season um, right before a game was set to take place. Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. Um, and then within about 10 minutes, the season was cancelled, well, postponed by the NBA. Um, and that was the same night um, Tom Hanks got coronavirus as well. So it was all kicking off. Um, within the space of about half an hour. Um, mm. But they've, the NBA have floated a few suggestions that sound quite good to me, one of which being the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, said that if we can get to a point where there's a group of players that have um, tested negative and, and have been self-isolating and, and the medical professionals are comfortable in the, with the fact that they don't have it, there could be uh, an option for the NBA to to kind of stage a, a, a couple of matches or a couple of games for charity um, mm -hmm. just to get something on TV for, for people that are at home doing nothing to watch. Um, and that to me sounds like a really good idea. I think obviously there's lots of logistical challenges that come with that, but I wish the Premier League or the FA was slightly more forward thinking and willing to float those kind of ideas because I think that is something that is achievable in the, in the mm. meantime. Like if we're not playing between now and May at the earliest and probably June or July, then if there's the opportunity to kind of get a group of 20 people, even if it's like five aside, even if it's eight aside, I mean, it doesn't have to mm. be 11 aside. 
and you just can get a game on TV, like behind closed doors. I mean, that would be one, the viewing figures would be insane because everybody's crying out for something like this. But two, it would just be really nice for everybody at home just to kind of watch, watch some football again. Um, completely agree, completely agree. But just playing devil's advocate here, can you imagine any Premier League clubs agreeing for five of their players to take part in a five-a-side? Um, you know, when there's all these transfer negotiations and they're looking to sell players, are they? Are we going to say to Sofiane Bouffal, go have a five-a-side game? <laughs> it's true. Just it for might, charity. It might not be realistic. But I just thought, it, like the M- the NBA have suggested it, something they could do, and I thought it was a really good idea. But on a side note. Who would you have in your Saints five side? Current players or past current or players? Current. I think num- number one is Buffal. I think he would take the piss. Buffal, yeah. I mean, he's a perfect five side player, isn't he? I mean, he's yeah. got all. He's got all the tricks. Um, who would I have? Well, you'd Ings, have, just you'd, Ings, have, you'd, you'd, just you'd have Ings up front because he's the bags man. He's just lethal. Yeah, he would just yeah. he'd, he'd get all the goals. So you'd have Buffal, you'd have Ings. Who would you have at the back? Um, I'd probably have Fraser in goal. Yeah. Just massive. Yeah. Like a hockey goalkeeper, just kind of taking yeah. out the whole net. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, who would you go for at the back? I'm thinking, I think Bertrand might be all right, you know? Yeah. Bertrand yeah. might be an option. I'm just thinking, like, Jack Stevens is good on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, out of the centre backs, you wouldn't have Vestergaard. No. Um, you wouldn't. I don't think you'd have Bednarak either. Like, he's, I'd like, have, yeah. I think I'd go for Stevens just because he's got a bit of quality on the ball. Um, him or so Bertrand. Um, go with Stevens so Fraser Stevens Booth out Ings we've got one more who's the engine yeah would Hoiberg be a good five-a-side player I mean you do you kind of do need someone that's going to get stuck in and yeah. got stamina and can get up and down the pitch I think he'd be quite good actually um, I reckon Romeo would cause a few bust-ups on the uh... Romeo is definitely the sort of player that if you turn up to to a five-a-side, yeah, in Islington, and he's there, and he's just flying into challenges, and just, I can imagine he's a bit... He's not wearing shinies. He's not wearing shinies. He's got dark arts, he's just like, <laughs> as you go on the counter, definitely. <laughs> and then, like, turning around and being like, I didn't touch him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Hoiberg is the one then. Yeah. Hoiberg, Buffal, Ings, Fraser, and Stevens. Yeah, I think that's decent. That's a good little side there. So that's how we'd submit to the Premier League. Get them, get them forward, get them in, get them tested. <laughs> They're all negative, it's fine. Send them, up, send them up to Wembley and then they can play five-a-side against all the other teams. Let's get it sorted. Let's get a tournament. Um, so yeah, uh, one of the things actually I wish I'd asked Jos when we had a chat last week was um, we went through his kind of former teammates at Saints and I wanted to know which of his former teammates or which current Saints players um, would you most want to be quarantined with? Um, everybody sat at home at the, at the moment, quarantined with family or friends. Um, imagine you're at Staplewood. The order comes in from Boris. We're locked down. Who are you sitting there with thinking, yeah, this is all right. I can, I can get by for a couple of weeks quarantined with this person and why? I think I'd go for Shay Adams. Um, okay. I mean, when we signed him from Birmingham last summer, I I wanted him to succeed so much. I put money on him to be top goal scorer. My fantasy football team name was Shay Adams Golden Boot. And I really backed him. I thought him and Ings would be one of the partnerships of the season. But obviously it hasn't worked out. He hasn't scored yet. <laughs> it hasn't worked out well, no, at all. <laughs> but um, I'd love just to have a proper chat with him. Because I mean... I've, I went to Spurs away in the cup a few weeks back or a few months back and he came on. And on a side note, I think Ralph Hassan has always been amazing for us, but one, I think his substitutions is definitely a weak point. Um, he just seems to make substitutions quite late. We're maybe chasing a game or we need a goal and you'll wait to the last 15 or the last 10 to change it. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the one of the things that I would like to see is Shea Adams get a bit more of a run out. I know he hasn't properly taken his chance, but you see Shane Long, he's got his uh, three goals a season or four goals a season. You want to see more than that. I'd just love to have a sit down with Shane and just ask him what's going on at Saints and what's going wrong because he just doesn't seem to fit there at the moment. But I think maybe he's got all the potential to be a to be a top Premier League striker in my opinion. Yeah, maybe ask him to refund your stake from your from your golden. Yeah, I would love that. I know. Yeah. Or maybe with this coronavirus guy, that will give it back to him. 
<laughs> yeah, all bets avoid. Um, <laughs> what about you? Um, who? Well, I, we put out a tweet before this podcast asking people for who they think they'd like to be quarantined with and who would be most prepared, who would be the worst person to be quarantined with. Now, I think quite a few people, and I agree with them, said Obafemi. Um, mm. And I think that's right. I think he would he would keep spirits up. Um, mm. He would be, he's a laugh. He, he seems like he's a laugh. He's always laughing and joking around a training ground. Um, he'd do his little jig. That would keep spirits up as well. Mm. Um, I just think he brings a lot to the table. Um, and that's what you want when you're in a quarantine. Um, quite a few other people said James Ward Prowse as well. And I think that's different, different sort of utility with James. I think he'd be very prepared, very conscientious, very diligent. He'd keep you alive. I don't think necessarily he'd be cracking jokes like Obafemi. He wouldn't be doing his little jig. Mm. Um, but he would be, he'd be sensible, he'd be smart. He'd keep everybody well-fed, everybody um, on the straight and narrow. And I think, I think he would be pretty good as well. Anyone um, stick out to you as nightmare quarantine partner? A couple, to be honest with you. A couple, yep. I think. Nathan Redman, too much, too much TikToking for me. I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not on TikTok, but I've, yeah, by all accounts, he's TikToking constantly. I think he'd be a laugh for the first 25 minutes, and then you'd be like, reality would hit in. And then he's renegading again for the 15th time that day. <laughs> Who else is out there that? I'd also say maybe Hoiberg. I think from from his social media, he seems a little bit serious. Bit intense, um, isn't he? A little bit intense, and maybe it's the opposite end of the spectrum to Redmond. You want someone in the middle of those two, but I mean, I think he takes himself quite seriously, and he did that keep you up a challenge with the toilet roll in a full Denmark kit. And I was, I going, saw that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he thought that was funny. I just thought it was a little bit cringy, and I don't know. I think he's just a bit, um, yeah, a bit heavy. I don't know if he'd be that fun to. Uh, you want someone in the middle of Redmond and Hoiberg, I think. You do. You do. You want maybe, maybe a Danny Ings. I think Danny Ings would be a perfect one in there. He's just. You see on Twitter all the work he's done uh, with Burnley. And I think everyone in football. I don't know if you saw after the Liverpool game, all the Liverpool players going up to him. He just seems like a... Like a I didn't player. see that, no, actually, no. What, they, what, they're all, they all like him as, as a teammate. Yeah, when, when we lost against them a few months back, I think it was the start of Feb. Yeah. When we should have beat them, when we should have got that penalty, the FA trying to relegate us. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you saw after the game, all the players, Salah, Van Dijk, Lalana, they're all going up to him. They all look like absolutely love him. I think he'd be, you know, just a good, good lad to have around. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's a good list there of, of players. Um, so, yeah, we're going to speak to Steve Derrida shortly. And before that, I just wanted to get your memories of that Saints Championship promotion team. I, I don't know about you, but for me, that, that League One team and then that Championship team was was my favourite um, kind of year or era of Southampton. As a fan, it was, it was amazing to watch those. Um, amazing to watch that team. Um, mm. It was full of great players, full of really likeable players um, that was easy to support. We had a good mix of youngsters coming through, old professionals, um, new signings, and it, they just gelled so well. And, and Steve talked about it actually, about how close-knit that squad was, and you really got that sense that everybody really, really got on. Um, so, yeah, what, what are your kind of overriding memories from that 11-12 championship season? Just thinking back, probably one of the most enjoyable seasons that I've had as a Saints fan in recent years, along with the League One promotion and maybe, you know, the pochettino Kuman era. But just if you, I'm just looking back at that team and the quality, I'd love to compare that against other top championship teams, but the quality in this team was just a joke, wasn't it? Kelvin in goal, still at the club now. What a professional and what a character he is on and off the pitch. And you have Fonte, went on to win the Euros of Portugal. Unbelievable player. Danny Fox's corners, how many goals came from that? The midfield three was ridiculous as well, wasn't it? Dean Hammond, Jack Court, Morgan Schneiderlin. And you also have, you know, Richard Chaplin and Alana sometimes went in there. Going forward, you had Ricky Lambert's goals. Billy Sharp came in after, after Christmas. Tad Nairi Lee popped up with a few important moments. Yeah. David Connolly, a few big goals in that season. And Gooley, um, what a maverick player he was. And then obviously Steve, we'll chat to later. But um, 
he was an unbelievable player coming off the bench and he scored some really important goals for us. But uh, yeah, incredible memories. And I think I mentioned the Millwall win uh, earlier. That was probably my favourite game of that season because it just felt like such a huge, huge moment to get that three points. And I don't know, it's just a special season, really. Did you see that um, interview that Ricky, that Saints put up on there? It must have been on YouTube, but I saw it on Twitter with Ricky saying that was the most nervous he'd been before I did. taking a penalty. I did, yeah. He said he scuffed it, didn't he? But yeah. um, I was at that game. I was in the away end for that game. And it was just like, obviously, Mills, you know, renowned for having a good atmosphere. But it was a feisty game. We were 1-0 up. Um, I think Lambert got one on the break in off the crossbar. And then they went 2-1 up. And it was 10 minutes to go. And we just got two penalties. And I think... I think one was very dodgy. I think it came off a Saints hand and the ref thought it was a Millwall hand. He gave us a pen. And it was just like those kind of games that you just knew, you know, it's going to fall either way. And it just, it fell for us. And Yeah, I mean, they, they showed it back on in that interview. And yeah, he does. He kind of, it's not his, it's not his cleanest strike. No. And it goes down the middle. Um, but yeah, I mean, the team, the team from that championship season is ridiculous. Like you said, the midfield was so strong. Um, the bench was so strong as well. Um, I mean, Schneiderlin, Cork, Hammond, Chaplow, you've got, Cork. you've got four midfielders there that are kind of competing for two positions. I know Chaplow played on the right a few times for us just to get him in the team, but the strength in depth there is incredible. You've got Gooley, Lalana, um, then Sharp joining Connolly and Lambert. I mean, it's just across the board, it's, it's quality all the way through. Um, and as you mentioned, Steve... I think he's he had an underrated role in that team really because he made 30 appearances 25 mm. of them off the bench and he really was kind of Nigel Adkins first option uh, from the bench if things weren't really going our way um 25 mm. substitute appearances as you said he scored some really really big goals um the biggest of which being uh, reading away um mm. which which we talked to him about and and obviously that's good memories for him um just looking back on the fixture list, it started mm. so well for us. And I was talking to you the other day about it. 12 wins from our first 17 games is ridiculous. Uh, two, yeah. two losses and three draws. And it started at home to Leeds. I think there was a real sense of, okay, we've just been promoted from League One. We've got some good players. How good are we? We're about to find out. And, and we made Leeds look very, very ordinary on the first day mm. of the season. And then we rattled off four wins, eventually losing away to Leicester. Um, but that kind of set the tone for the season, didn't it? That, that start. Yeah, you mentioned that Leeds game. And I just want to go back to that because I, I remember going into that game thinking, what a big, big season this was. From, from two, seasons, two seasons in League One, playing against some of the smaller teams in English football to playing now teams like Leeds and uh, beating them 3-1 at home. Incredible start thinking we actually can compete in this division. And then I'm just looking at the fixtures that we had at the start of that season. We beat Leeds, beat Barnsley away. I think it was a David Connolly goal. Then we went to Portman Road and beat Ipswich 5-2. And I remember seeing that. I think it was a midweek game thinking like nine points, first three games. Maybe we've actually got like a team that is quality in this division. And then beating Millwall in the fourth game. It was actually the fifth game, like you mentioned. We got our first defeat 2-1 at the King Power. And... Um, just on a side note, I urge anyone to type in Anne Lalana skill versus John Pantsill because he turns him inside and out, puts him on his puts him on his ass and crosses it in for Dan Harding to score. We eventually lose two one, but I mean I'm surprised John Pantsill didn't retire after the game to be honest. <laughs> it was three two, by the way. We lost three two. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. It? Oh, okay. It was three two. But no, I need to check that out. Um I need to have a look look back at that. I've got plenty of time on my hands at the moment, so <laughs> Um, we'll do that but yeah I think you make a good point like being in League One and with no disrespect to some of those teams that are in League One and um, at the moment and, and back then is you look at the fixture list and, you, and you're playing the likes of, of Dagenham and, and Warsaw as you said and then you kind of you, you make the step up and all of a sudden you're playing against Leeds you're playing against Forest, Leicester, Burnley Cardiff, mm. um, Watford, West Ham um, it was a very strong championship West season. Ham. Very, very strong um, group of teams down there at that point. Um, and, and yeah, we, we started incredibly well. We had a blip over 
over December and, and January, really, where we struggled for wins. Um, I remember going to a few games back there. We, we lost to we lost to Doncaster, uh, lost to Brighton, and we lost to Bristol City twice in the space of about six games. I remember the second game at St Mary's uh, at the end of December. Um, it was Albert Adoma and Yannick Balassi on the wings for Bristol back then. And they were struggling down the bottom of the championship. And they had th- those two wingers. And they and just absolutely destroyed us. Um, beat us 1-0. And, and that was just kind of like the, the season had started so well. And you feared at that point. You kind of left St Mary's fearing that we, all, that, all that good work that we'd done in the first few months of the season, we'd kind of, we, we were wasting it really because mm. we were struggling for points. Um, but then we picked things up again. Billy Sharp obviously came in in the January window. And yeah, we went on a bit of a run really um, through towards the Between, end of the season. Yeah, Feb, March, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, that Millwall game. Against, exactly. 3-0 away at Watford. I think it was a Ricky Lambert hat-trick. That 1-0 away at Leeds with Kelvin Davis' performance, which is an absolute joke. I watched that the other day. That save against Becchio was just silly. <laughs> Although I'm not sure it's going in. doesn't matter, but I'm not sure it was actually going oh, in. That name was a blast from the past as well, Luciano Becchio. <laughs> yeah, what a player he, he was. He was good, wasn't he, back in the day? I wonder what he's been up to recently. But Yeah, yeah like you said, the Millwall game. 2-0 away at Hull. I think it was a midweek. I think Hoyveld and Fonte scored in yeah. that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that run there, maybe seven wins out of eight over that period was just crucial to, for promotion because, like you said, we did stumble a little bit over the festive period. But, um, yeah, what a season. What memories. And Steve, Steve in that season, I think, obviously, the most iconic moment, as we'll touch on, is that, that equaliser at the Majeski. Yeah. Um, I was actually at that game with my uncle and we went down to 10 men, didn't we? And... Obviously, they're, they're the team that eventually beat us for the title. Um, and, yeah, as it was just an absolute battle of a game. And I remember the atmosphere there being, again, quite a feisty one because it was two top teams going at each other. And was it Dean Hammond that got sent off? It was Dean Hammond, yeah. Second half, he got sent I think it was second yellow. Um, yeah. And he got sent off, yeah. But then, yeah, that goal, obviously, we'll speak to uh, Steve about it soon, but... I think it was a throwing from the right, the perfect flip round the corner from Gooley. And then, you know, he didn't, he didn't have many big moments at, in a Saints shirt, but he cut inside on his left foot and just twatted it top corner, didn't he, really? Enough the crossbar and the limbs in the away end will live long in the memory. It's funny, actually, because he, when, we were talk, when we were talking to that, about that goal to Steve, he, he says, when you go back and watch it, look at his celebration. <laughs> it's quite funny he doesn't, actually he's, he doesn't know what he's doing does he he does no idea what he's doing and he runs completely <laughs> the wrong direction so that's worth having a look at as well and he, and he speaks about that but this seems like a good time as any to um, to welcome Steve in so let, let's chat to Steve Derrida about his memories from that championship season Steve I'd just like to to welcome you to the I Win the Saints podcast thank you very much for joining us how are you doing thank you thank you for having me yeah, I'm good. Just had a hard training session. Uh play at Centrale now and uh, I'm enjoying my life back in Belgium um, after a couple of years abroad. Great, great. So you spent, uh, I think it was, it was two, two seasons at the club, <laughs> 2011 through to 2013. Um, memorable years for Southampton with the promotion from the championship yeah. to to the Premier League. Can you just describe how, how did the move to Southampton come about? Because you've been playing in, in Netherlands at the time, is that right? Yeah, I was, I was playing at uh, the Graafschap. That was my team back then. And mm. um, I, I had a decent year. And then um, through some people, some contact persons, um, I heard that Southampton was interested. And I was actually close to, to signing for, for another Belgium team. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I heard Southampton was interested. And I just... Uh, yeah, decided to 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 fly over there, and then when I when I came there and I saw St Mary Stadium, uh, I was already sold. So um, <laughs> I just signed the same day, and and then and then I had a two two amazing years with uh, obviously the the back to back promotion after the the team got got promoted from um, from third third division. Yeah, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. So when you entered that dressing room already then, the kind of players were on a high, I guess, from the promotion the previous year. Was it yeah. relatively easy for you as a, as a player coming in that summer to, to join that team? It was a kind of feel-good atmosphere at that time, I, I guess. 
yeah to be fair in the dressing room there's nothing like like english clubs the 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 boys the lads are so close and mm-hmm. and they push they push each other and and we we had dinners together and then the atmosphere was just amazing um and they welcomed me and obviously the banter i got <laughs> had to get used to that but once i got when got going it i got involved and yeah, it was well, it was an amazing squad and uh, amazing talent as well and and obviously for me in the beginning uh, i was uh, i had trouble speaking picking up the the tempo because because english football is is different on that point then is it is it much faster than or is it the fastest league that you've played in is it much different from playing in denmark or in holland or in belgium yeah it's just way more intense and and the players are are way bigger that's just a fact like Eng- english football players are, are just so big and so fast and Mm-hmm. And and you don't get time on the ball. They they ride up your, you know what? Um, <laughs> and so 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 yeah. I was just lucky to uh, to be picked by Southampton and and had those those amazing two years, especially the the promotion from uh, from the championship. Yeah. So that that promotion campaign. Then what are your obviously the the season started with um with the win at, against Leeds at home and that kind of. Everyone, we've we've been promoted from from League One, and not 100% sure how the season was going to go. But that was a a massive result right on the first day. So, what are your memories of, of that promotion campaign? Does anything stand out to you, particularly throughout the season? Nah, I think just the the, the winning atmosphere is like. Obviously, they came from from winning everything in uh, in League One, and then they just. Pulled it through in the championship. Uh, I remember people saying, "Yeah, Ricky Lambert can't do it in the in the in the League One." And then he got he got top scored there. And then they said, "Yeah, he can't do it in the championship." And then <laughs> I think he scored about thirty five league goals that season. That, that, that's just amazing. I, I don't think people recognize or yeah, they do recognize that, but I don't think they know what what an achievement that is to score thirty five five goals in the, in the league it's it's amazing and and then the attacking talent we had with with Lalana who was who was coming up uh, Snyderling and then Fonte in the back and Hoyveld uh, it was just an amazing squad full of um, full of characters as well like like they had such immense personalities and, and it was uh, an honor for me to to see how 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 yeah, big players handle the pressure and 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 the winning mentality was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought you might mention actually the the draw at Reading. I mean, I was at that game and the atmosphere when you scored that goal was uh, was amazing. So, can you just talk us through it, your thoughts on that game? I know we'd gone down to ten men. We were one nil down at Reading, who who ended yeah. up finishing top of the league. That yeah, obviously for me it was a massive moment because. Um, uh, I was pushing a little bit, and then I got a, I got a few uh, starts of the game, but but not doing so well. But uh, I I got into the game, and and I remember it was I think it was a deep ball to 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 Gulli, I think, and Gulli that's right, uh, yeah, deviated in one touch to me, and I cut inside and just like hammered it with my left foot. I I, I think at that moment I I, I did I didn't even know what I was doing. I just hammered it. <laughs> And, and and from the crossbar, it just went in. And I remember, I uh, also saw the videos a lot of times because because Saints fans uh, remember me uh, from time to time to it, and they show me the video. And and I was just running away from from the stand, and then oh yeah, right. <laughs> I turned back, and then then I went back to to I think it was about five thousand away fans who were there. So it was just a massive moment for me, and. Uh, and it was a big game. It was against Reading, so they were they were a big competition to 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 go up. So yeah, amazing. It was huge. Yeah, I, I, it, being in the stand at the time, it was absolute chaos. Um, Especially was, for me, having such a, a small impact on 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 that season and and the season afterwards, mm-hmm. um, for me, it was a, a massive moment to 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 give some uh, a little something back with with all the talent that was in the squad back back then. Yeah, and, and as you said, I mean, I I went back and watched it on YouTube preparing for this um, interview, and it is a really really good goal. I mean, Gooley's touch to you is kind of first time perfect. Yeah. I was I was screaming at you to shoot with your right foot, and then you cut back inside past the defender and hammer it in with your left foot. Um, yeah. How does that? Where does that rank in in the, all the goals that you've scored in your career? Um, you must have scored some really good ones. Where does that rank? Well, 
probably like like the emotion and and feeling it's it's uh maybe i i forget a few goals but 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 probably that feeling scoring away my, my, my i think is what was one of my my first goals right. or one of my only goals in, in in england it was just amazing it's definitely top three it's maybe the, the the best feeling after a goal because of the the massive support there yeah it was such an important goal for for everybody as well it was massive it was massive yeah but you you mentioned it before kind of coming off the bench and, and finding your way into the team and I think it's fair to say that you were a bit of a fan favourite as an impact player coming off the bench, a kind of a super sub for us that, yeah, se- the, that the, season. It, yeah, it, it grew like that in the beginning, and and but I, I also remember that then on the in the middle of the end of the season, I, I was having a dip and I, I wasn't feeling one hundred percent, and and I wasn't performing so so good anymore, and and. But but I do remember that that the the fans uh, were always chanting for me and and singing for me. So um, yeah, that, that that means a lot for a player to come on. On that season, I think you made thirty appearances in the league. Um, so so you you played a lot of games, but a lot of them were from the bench. Did, was there yeah. ever a sense of frustration for you that you felt like you deserved more opportunities or you wanted more first team minutes? Look at looking on it. Looking back on it, uh, uh, I think I just um, have to be happy that I, I was part of it and 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 that uh, I I made uh, a couple of appearances and and came off the bench and but but to be completely honest, it, it was such a, a talented squad and and I'm just happy I'm just happy to to be part of it from from that amazing squad. There was so much talent on it, so. Uh, I learned a lot from the from the guys um, going forward in my career as well. And Nigel Atkins was the manager at that point. What was it like playing playing under him? Yeah, it was it was kind of new for me because uh, I didn't really know the the English model of 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 like the coaching stuff. You actually have have one manager and and then you have like three or four like field field coaches. Mm-hmm. So 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 it was it was all new to me that. Um, that during the sessions that, that the manager actually stays a little bit away from from um, from the training sessions and and leaves it up to the field to the field coaches. But uh, I'm obviously grateful um, that he he involved me and that that he treated me well. Um, I think he he is a good person. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to your to your second season, I think it's fair to say that that was a little bit more difficult. The up into the Premier League, Southampton spent quite a lot of money. On, on new signings, I think Jay Rodriguez came into the team, and kind of competition was was really high at that stage. What what are your memories of that Premier League campaign? It, it was all already a big jump for me from 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 going to to Holland to to England, and and then after one year um, making the the step to the to the Premier League, uh, I remember not being involved so much, but also remember that I had like a good good. Um, a good period on training, and that that I found myself, found myself into the squad, and and mm-hmm. and, and made my uh, my Premier League debut against Sunderland. I think yeah. for me that was already a, a big accomplishment of just like getting into the squad and and getting on that pitch in the Premier League because nobody nobody can de- can take that away from me. You know, I'm just proud of it. But it's normal for a Premier League club to to buy big players, good players, and. And and they were better better than me. It's as simple as that. Was that a career goal for you then? Kind of play, playing at at the high, at the highest level. Yeah, you just roll into it. You know, you, yeah. Then you're there. You're you're in England, and and then you think, well, let's just go for it. Let's get on that pitch, and, and nobody can take that away from you. You made you made your Premier League debut. So there's not of there's not a lot of obviously now nowadays there's a lot of good Belgian players, but. Back then, I think I was one of the 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 twelve, thirteen uh, Belgian players in, in in the Premier League, so so it was was big for me. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. So Southampton have been in in the Premier League ever since your your promotion campaign, um, and and it's looking pretty good that hopefully we'll, we'll still be in there going into next season. Do you follow the yeah, Premier definitely, League? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, well, fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had a little blip recently, but. Um, yeah, no. Assuming that everything goes ahead this weekend, um, 
it sounds like it, it's probably going to be behind closed doors. But do you yeah. still keep tabs on the Premier League and, and watch yeah. South, Southampton? And I, I follow all my uh, my ex teams, and uh, then especially uh, if I look at the Premier League, I always look at the Southampton result. It's good to see that that there's still two guys from uh, from my time back then, uh, like Prowsey yep. and Jack yep. Stevens. Um, and it's it's amazing what what Prowsey has done. I think he's a very valuable player of the squad and, and mm-hmm. scores his goals and has his assists. So um, so you could see already back then that he has a good personality, strong personality, and uh, that he was going to do good things in football. I was going to ask you about that actually. Yeah, but could you see that? When you were come, when you were in the team, he was coming into the team as a youngster. Could you see that he had that quality that would that would mean that he'd be a key player in a Premier League team? Yeah, but you could already see back then that he could handle the pressure and that right. he was very professional and and he was just a good lad with a with a lot of respect for the for the older guys and you can already see like mentally that he was he was going to be. Um, yeah, that he was going to handle the pressure and and the dressing room, and then then what Southampton just did was give him give him time, and and, and he, he paid it back. Yeah, and the same with the same with Jack Stevens. He was coming into the team, I think, when you were when you were um, when you were at Saints. Could you could you see as well that he he had the makings of a Premier League centre back? Yeah, he 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 was getting big back then. I think right. he was only seventeen, eighteen years old, and and I think he went on a. On a couple of um, of loans, um, mm-hmm. but obviously I, I went on loan as well. So uh, I don't really had the same connection or in the team as as I did with uh, Prowsey, who was like regularly involved already in in, in our squad, and that was right. not the case with uh, with Jack back then. Right. So after after a short loan spell at Bolton, you went to Netherlands, Denmark, and and now you're playing in Belgium again. Were you ever yeah. tempted or were ever offered the opportunity to return to English football at any point? No, no, we, not ever. No, would that have been something that you would have been interested in, or or were you happy? You kind yeah, of went. Yeah, definitely. But back then, um, when uh, I was on loan to to Bolton, there was there was talks about. Um, signing a permanent permanent deal with uh, with Bolton. Yeah. But then the last day of the of my loan, the the president and the coach back then said, "Yeah, sorry, Steve, uh, um, it's not going to happen. So you have to return to Southampton." I, and I remember being in the, a huge uh, disappointment, um, not to go back to Southampton, but just because I knew that my uh, playing time would be very limited to none. Right. Southampton and, and 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 Bolton was also a big club with an amazing stadium and uh, already knew the the guys in the dressing room it was very good dressing room so I wanted to stay there yeah so that was a big of a, a bit of a disappointment but I remember then going back to Southampton but I already cancelled my uh, my apartment there so I remember driving back to Southampton oh. and and just parking parking myself. Um, at the parking lot there, and, and just thinking, well, what do I need to do now? Right. And luck, luckily, um, Daniel Fox took me in in his uh, house for a couple of months till uh, till I made a, a permanent move to uh, to the Netherlands. Oh wow! So so Danny Fox, you you were kind of rooming with him then, were you for the end of that season? No, not rooming. I was actually living in a room in his house with his family. Oh like wow! About, yeah, for I think about one or two months. So. Sometimes I was like uh, house sitting or, or dog sitting. Right. It was a very nice thing uh, to do from him. Uh, very, uh, very good, very yeah. good guy. Kind of speaks. Yeah, it says a lot about about the squad. The, the 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 squad back then. We were we were really close. I was just going to say, yeah, it does kind of speak to that that kind of tight knit um, group that you were just talking about from that time yeah. at Southampton. Great. So I mean, I was I was just going to move on to to what. You, who you're playing for now and, and how the season is going in Belgium. So um, just for, for people that might not be too familiar with top division football in Belgium, could you just kind of describe how, how your season's going? My season is, uh, to be fair, it's a bit disappointing but because I'm also getting older a bit. I'm, 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 I'm turn, I just turned 33. For the last couple of, I, I think the last four years, I played nearly... Yeah, I think uh, 150 games in the Belgium league with uh, Lokeren. Mm-hmm. And then last year, um, we relegated and Centraden uh, picked me up. But I had a very uh, bad pre-season with a lot of injuries. 
and then I came here and and I started started off very well, but then got back to injuries. And um, this week I played my uh, I started my first uh, game in three months after a lot of injury problems. So let's hope that for the rest of the season I, I stay fit and um, and I can do well. But obviously now with uh, with the coronavirus, nobody's nobody's knowing what's going to happen. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a real sense of uncertainty if, if games are either going to be even going to be played at the moment. Yeah, so, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. Well, well. Fingers crossed from, from your point of view that, that the injuries are are in the past and you can have a strong end to the campaign. Yeah, um, exactly. Do you? I don't know whether you've thought about this or you kind of mentioned that coming towards the end of your career. Do you have any plans to go into coaching management or are you thinking something completely different outside football? I don't know yet. The the, the last couple of years, uh, I'm just like focusing 100% on football and on my yeah. family. I have two kids as well. And um, um, I think if you already get too focused on, on what happens after, that, that you already let loose a little bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to focus... One hundred percent on the last year of my uh, last years of my uh, of my career, and, and get out of it what's left, and 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 end strong. And afterwards, uh, we'll see what uh, what direction I will go. And maybe it's management, maybe uh, um, investing in real estate or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So we we'll, we'll see. Sounds sounds exciting. I wish you all the best. All the best for that. Um, Thank you. I just wanted to. To end on some some quick fire um, questions. Um, yeah. So, most talented player you've played with, both in your career and then in your time at Southampton. Um, I think I will have to answer both Adam Lalana. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, also, Ricky Lambert, Morgan Schneiderling, Gulli, uh, Jack Cork, uh, Fonte Hoyval, the, the, the Luke Shaw. Yeah, uh, Klein. The, the, there was a, a lot of players that has had massive amounts of of talent, but to be fair, like Lalana was was amazing. What he did at training as well, how important he was in on the pitch and in the dressing room. I have to say both Adam Lalana, and and he he showed it afterwards with the national team of England and yeah. and, and with Liverpool. So um, yeah. You you've kind of, you just kind of ran through several of the key key names from that squad. I mean, those guys had been promoted from League One, and then you kind of joined the team. I mean, how quickly did the mindset go from from the from the team in the Championship to going? Okay, I think we can we can win this division as a squad, or at the very least, we can get promoted as a squad. I mean, not, that's that's relatively rare for a newly promoted team to kind of go back to back. But was it? Was it a case of you knew how good the squad was early on? Yeah, but it was just a squad full of like experienced players like like Dan Harding and then you had um, Butterfield and you had mm. Calvin Davis who's an amazing goalkeeper and, and an amazing personality, big personality in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. He welcomed everybody and his banter was, was just amazing. Um, and then you had the young players coming up like... like like Luke Shaw, Klein, uh, Lalana, um, and then you had the experience in, in, in the striker of 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 Cooley and 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 um, yeah, so so it was just uh, it was just an amazing squad, and and you had so many qualities, experience, and and skills yeah. that I just think they they felt they they had a shot, and then the first games we really did well, and then the belief starts starts growing, so yeah. Do you, are you still in touch with any of the any of the players from Southampton? Uh, I, I talk to Jos Hoyvald uh, um, sometimes. Uh, we, okay. we called we called a few weeks back, and, and then we 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 start talking about having to meet up. But yeah, I'm still a professional football player, so it, it's difficult to to find the time. Um, sometimes with with Calvin Davis or Butterfield on or, or Dan Harding on on Instagram or, or something like this. Right. Um, and also uh, Billy Sharp, when he, when he scored his goal this weekend, I was, I was really, really happy for him because I, I forgot about him. But, but he was also uh, a massive player in, in our squad, scoring goals and, and still scoring goals now. It's, uh, it's amazing that he also has the record of, uh, I think, scoring the, the most goals in English league. 
Um, I'll, ha- I'll have to check that. I think, I mean, he scored a lot of goals. Um, I, th- I think he's, he scored the most, even even more than, than Rooney, like with, with all the leagues together. Right, um, okay. Yeah, I picked that up. I think I picked that up a couple of months ago. So He he was a huge signing then, I bet, from when he joined in January. It kind of, did that give everybody a boost then? Kind of know that yeah, they had a- given it, given us the push we, we needed up front. Um he, we knew he was always going to score his goals, and that's what he did. Yeah. Um, so, you, your best mate at Southampton, is there anyone that stands out there? It's difficult to say. I had a, I had a very good connection with the, with the older guys, like Calvin like Davis, Butterfield, who is by far the, the funniest guy I, I ever met. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to, to, to go on a... Uh, day or night out with with with, uh, with him is so funny, and then you had obviously Hoyvald who I was very close to, Gulli, Daniel Fox, Jack Cork, and uh, um, Chaplow who, who was such a good guy. Um, a lot of players, yeah, a lot of players. Danny Fox who took me in. Um, yeah, I don't think I can name one because I had a good connection with everybody. It was such a tight squad. This might be a, a difficult question, maybe not. But you- Promoted a few times in your career, once with Saints, and then I think in the Grafschap as well. I mean, if you had to compare the two, is there a, is there a kind of standout season from your career so far that you'd say, okay, that's my favourite season? Now, to to be fair, promote promoting is such a special feeling. Okay, I relegated with uh, the Grafschap and then and then went straight back to 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 the first uh, division with the Grafschap, yeah. and I remember being at such. Um, yeah, such a party and everybody was happy and I uh, also had a big part in the promotion. So maybe that made, makes it a little bit more special. But to be fair, like the English atmosphere and, and, and how everybody was buzzing afterwards is bigger. It's huge in England. So I, I don't think I can put like this one is more special than the other one. It's just I'm just uh, proud and, and blessed to, to, to experience it. Okay, yeah, we'll let you off for that one. It's it's difficult to choose between the two. Yeah. This, this might be a, this might be an obvious obvious answer, but favorite moment at Southampton, individual like personally. Yeah, the goal at Reading. The goal I at think, Reading. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and the and the promotion party and and we went uh, we went on a trip afterwards uh, after the promotion. Uh, we went on a trip to Mabea with the uh, with the squad. Right. Like um, that was amazing as well. It was just like. Uh, uh, blur of six days of, of having fun <laughs> with each other and, and partying after after a promotion. So that was amazing too. Any any stories that you can tell us from that Marbella trip? No, just no. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. That's probably probably as as much as it hurts me to say, that's probably a smart decision not to not to <laughs> not to publicize that. Um, yeah. Well, Steve, thanks very very much for your time. Really appreciate it, and best of luck yeah, with, with the rest thanks of the for season. You too. Um, I don't think there's going to be any problems, but um, up to the next season.